Welcome to the School of Performance. My name is Sean Ashkenazi, former professional athlete turned high-level performance coach. And each week we will bring you inspirational guests to help you reach your highest levels of performance. Thank you for taking the time and joining us today. And let the lesson begin. Welcome to the School of Performance. Uh, this week we got Jason Siggers. How are you, man? Good, man. How are you doing today? I'm good, man. It's good. It's good to get to know you. And we were just talking about a little bit just now. How I always say this, um, beyond the value that it has for listeners and young players and, and whoever, you know, will join us in the future listening to this. It's just cool getting to know the person. So it's really like a privilege and, and it's fun. So, uh, yeah, I'm Jason Siggers, I'm 36 years old, going to be 37 next month. Uh, I started playing basketball around five years old. My dad played, so it's only natural that, you know, you put that little ball in the crib with your son, you know. Right. Kind of a, I fell in love immediately, so it kind of just, uh, I kind of took to it really well. Um, and kind of just been playing ever since. Grew up on the playing outside on concrete um, against older guys and grown men, you know, from an early age. So just kind of went from there. That's cool, man. And uh, I know you're not uh, you're not going to boast and brag about it, but I got to do it for you a little bit that uh, it's no small feat uh, that you play out here in Israel and first division, which is, I think, one of the top leagues in, in, in the entire world, you know, behind the NBA. I think it's one of the top European leagues. And uh, you recently won six man of the year. And uh, how's that feel? How, what was that journey like? I mean, it was great, man. We had a great team and uh Coach did a great job of giving me a role. And, you know, I'm always a fan of being the best in my role. And, you know, it, it kind of just pays off. You know, sometimes some people see it and sometimes people don't. Right. Um, but I was around, I was about winning games. So I did what I had to do. That's cool. How many, it's for Gilboa, right? Yes. How many years have you been, have you been out there? Uh, in Israel or in Gilboa? In Gilboa specifically. I was in Gilboa two years. Mm. Second division, we moved up. Sweet. And then we're from there. That's sweet. Because, yeah, it's another really cool thing, just on, like, a side note. Even myself, I've experienced it, too, where it is rarely, you know, beyond a one-year contract. It's, it's so right. often that you come in for a year, you do your thing, and then you either move up or down. Um, right. You got to get a bigger deal. You got to show yourself again. I think just that loyalty is really cool, and, and I think you're a great example of it paying off where you build this chemistry, and it's something that's kind of lacking in a lot of the leagues, a lot of the divisions. It's cool. Right. Right. You know what? And it's a slept on thing because chemistry and, and just having a good relationship with the guys you're going to war with every night really, really helps. I think it's really undervalued, to be yeah. honest. And when you find that, you kind of just hold on to it and you all just fight together. For sure. Did you find was there other teams like is it possible, do you think, to build that within a single season? Because I felt it, too. Where it's, it's it takes something. Right. It, I mean, I've always prided myself on being the guy that kind of sets the tone and kind of like, uh, you know, makes it okay for everybody to open up to everybody else. And, uh, you know, everybody just kind of follows the vibe. You know what I mean? You set a good vibe and it's easy to catch on. So, yeah, it's definitely attainable, but everybody has to be willing to catch the vibe. Right. That's huge. Yeah. Like setting the tone and kind of being open and, and mm -hmm. being willing to open up, man. It's a definition of a leader. I had another podcast, um, today even uh, with a friend of mine who's coaching in Canada and just talking about how as players, whether it be professionally or coaches and stuff like that, just being open and, you know, leading by example and how that kind of gets left aside, right? People kind of don't realize because it gets so competitive, right? It, it gets to be like such a business that mm -hmm. you forget about kind of carrying people alongside you and that whole side of things. That's definitely big value to that though. Like if, you know, because there's, a season is it's a roller coaster, right? So you're going up and down. Maybe you win three in a row and then you lose five in a row, you know. But uh, as long as you know that that guy, these other guys have my back, you can kind of get through these obstacles and kind of like, you know, kind of just grind through them without self-destruction at the same time. So yeah. it's really important for sure. A lot like life, right? That's, that's cool. That was like the analogy, right, to life and how ups and downs, like if everything was just constantly going your way, there'd be very little growth, right? If we were just, yeah, yeah. There'd be no situations where you can really kind of, how you say pressure makes diamonds, you can really realize what you're, what you're capable of. Exactly. 
Exactly. It's essential to growth, man. Sure. Mm-hmm. That's cool. Like that's where leaders come out. That's sweet, man. Um, yeah. So I always like to reminisce a little bit at the beginning about kind of like your favorite basketball moments uh, throughout your career. I know you've played in, in many different spots. What yeah. kind of comes up to mind more, more so than others? Um, it's not going to be what you think. <laughs> it never is, man. It never is. <laughs> one, one of the, the uh, a basketball moments that stood out to me, like, was, was when I was like eight or nine years old, like one of my first real official games. I shot the ball in the wrong hoop, man. I shot the <laughs> ball in the wrong hoop. And I made it. And I was so happy to get my, my first bucket. And I looked over to my dad and he was just like, oh my God. But like it made me want to be better and, and to get better. So that was like upon like, okay, now I have to really get into this thing and, and try. And uh, you know, that's that's what kind of like propelled me forward at a young age. Mm-hmm. Um, getting older. I won two college conference championships uh, in university at Albany. So uh, winning a championship is incredible, especially the first year we won it at home, which is incredible. You know, fans rush the floor and all that stuff, and it's thousands of people. That's awesome. But winning on someone else's floor, mm-hmm. seeing that dismay, that the sadness on the, you know, the crowd, another team that's in their building, that that's Winning on someone else's floor in college for a championship is definitely one of the most memorable moments. Yeah. I think people out here, like like viewers from Israel, viewers from across the water will maybe be able to relate to it a little bit more. But I think viewers in Israel really realize kind of what type of mayhem goes in in a college gym, especially during playoffs. And it's not just Duke or North Carolina or like in the March Madness tournament. It's <laughs> conference tournaments are just as wild. And <laughs> it's, it's, it gets crazy. Absolutely, absolutely. Complete pandemonium. Right. I'll, I guess I guess it's far off and it's different, but the only thing it kind of reminds me of is in Europe too, like in Greece where they got the netting up. I'm not sure if you played in those situations, but when it's like fireworks in the stands, it's just kind of impossible <laughs> that. But I know Greece and all these places gets like really wild. So I guess it's different, but as far as the amount of people and as far as the energy – yeah, uh, that's the only thing I can kind of compare it to college in the state. Yeah, but that's like it's special places in college. A lot of places are, are super crazy during all right. the March Madnesses. It's insane. <laughs> it's insane. That's cool. That's sweet. And yeah, like in the first thing you said, I think non-athletes or people who haven't been in a situation might have a hard time understanding it. But almost every every guy that uh, I've had the privilege of playing with that I've had on a lot of times they mention when you, when you talk about like reminiscing and stuff, they always mention like yourself, some sort of like downfall, some sort of like quote unquote negative thing on paper, like scoring the wrong hoop or whatever. Um, because it shows us where we want to improve from that competitive mentality. And what we talked about before, how growth comes through failures. Mm-hmm. I think will push me towards being the best version of myself, like something like that. Like, like, that's so sweet at eight years old, putting the ball in the wrong basket. Like, nothing's going to give me more drive to work on my game than that. <laughs> you know? I'll, I'll never forget my dad's face. That face, like, burned into my brain. It's like, yeah, <laughs> you need to get better. You need to get better. So that that was, like, telling me I need to work on my game and get outside and just play and just play. So, yeah. Like, like do whatever it takes to, to get to that next level. Exactly. No, that's cool. Um. Yeah, like when we we always talk a little bit on the phone and uh, and uh, when we kind of built this whole subject, this concept of, I guess today they call it analytics and everything, like either three-pointers or or layups, you know, or shots in the paint. And it's really like the lost art of the mid-range. And whoever knows your game, whoever's seen you play, I, I was privileged enough to watch some highlights of yours and watch you throughout the season and just like master the mid-range, like really knows, like if, if I was to describe you as a player, again, not knowing you super well, but just from what I've had the privilege of seeing, it's like really knows to get to a spot, like knows what he's good at. And, and it's very difficult to stop, you know, because he's so keen on it. Like he's so clear on where he is that he wants to get to and how great he is at that spot. And that's something that's really hard to defend. Absolutely. I mean, 
I guess I'm an anomaly. You could call me like an anomaly in today's game. Uh, mm-hmm. But years and years and years ago, I saw a, uh, I said my dad was a big, big Kobe fan. And Kobe would say, you know, uh, I'm not asking myself to do anything that I haven't done thousands and thousands of times before, like in mm-hmm. those situations. And he wanted to be so predictable. He's unpredictable. And mm-hmm. that's, that's kind of when I started to like shift the way I, I saw the game. I want you to know that I, yeah, I can shoot a mid range shot. Like you need to be scared of this so I can manipulate defenders into doing other things. And right. at the same time being able to take, what I want. So I'm a big anti-analytics guy. <laughs> right. Sure. Like that's that's so cool. It's like it's as if like you're gonna know what I'm good at, you're gonna know what I'm going to do, and I'm still gonna do it and be successful at it just because I've worked at it. And I know how to kind of like you say manipulate you into an, into a point where I got an advantage and there's yeah. nothing you can do about it. You think that they think they have the advantage, but in reality I'm the one that's that's comfortable because I've done this thousands and thousands of times. Now, chances are you haven't defended a guy that's played like me. So right. you're the one off balance. So that's why I kind of take my advantages. Right. That's an interesting point, too. Like when we put the offensive spectrum aside as a defender, because everything's like either three pointers or in the paint, they don't get to meet it as often. And now they're kind of on an island where they don't know what to do when they see a guy like you. Exactly. 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 And that's a huge advantage because uh, once you once you're used to defending threes and or layups, used to chasing guys and meeting them at the rim. Right now, when I teach basketball, you can't make your body go backwards and forwards at the same time okay. or backwards and up to contest my shot at the same time. So all I need to do is to make you forget who you're guarding for half a second and you're you're half a second late and I'm already done doing what I'm got to do. And I got that advantage that you can't come back from, right? You can't come back from. Yeah, that's huge. And yeah, just like, I'd love to hear it because it's super interesting, like this whole concept of analytics. And we kind of talked about it a little bit where like statistically, I guess you can say, and on a computer, like it'll get teams the most points or the best percentage or whatever it may be. But what happens along the way that people don't talk about too often is that it puts players in a box. And a lot of times players that have a great strength like yourself in the mid-range or, or another aspect of the game, all of a sudden players start listening to these outside voices and letting go of those things that they're really good at. Like, like damn, like how many guys can really do that at such a high level? And because of this, I guess, way of thinking to let go of that is such a shame. Like, how did you manage and where did that kind of meet you throughout your career where they wanted you to do one thing but you knew this is what you're good at man it's a there were some struggles because once the analytic things started to roll um basically coaches were telling me hey you need to take a lot more threes and you need to be running into the paint trying to make layups and these mid-range shots and working out and i would say like my affinity is for that. Like I have a special thing inside of me that allows me to do what I can do at the level that I do it at. So now if you take that away from me, you're taking advantages away from me. Right. You're, 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 you're limiting what I can do on the basketball floor. Now, if I wasn't so hard headed and so efficient at what I was doing, <laughs> you know, things could have been different. So what about these other younger guys who have the same kind of affinity as me but coaches have been telling them since they were 12 years old, right. shoot threes and layups, threes, layups, threes. And, and you know, that kind of, it closes them off. It, like you said, put them in a the box. So how am I supposed to reach my full potential and use all of my God-given affinities and abilities if you only gave, gave me these two things to do, you For know? Sure. So uh, that that's a big problem because coaches are limiting players and they could use players in different ways instead of just, looking at numbers and letting the numbers dictate the strategy. Right. Like what's you know, hypothetical numbers at that. Right. Right. Like trying to look ahead and, and dissect it where like you're saying it's human beings at the end of the day, man, we're all unique. We're all different. Like, exactly. exactly. What would you suggest, I guess, to like a young player coming up, even a player that's in a high level right now and he's kind of going through it in a way where all these outside voices, all these coaches are telling him to do one thing but he knows within himself that like this thing that he's got going on is worth not giving up on. You know what I mean? Like, what would you say to that guy to, to make it a little bit easier? 
stay confident. Stay confident in yourself and uh, prove them wrong by putting the work in, first of all. Like, no coach has ever got mad at me for making five or six mid-range jumpers in a row. You know what I'm saying? You have to be that efficient and that confident in what you're doing that you force the coach to accept how you play. So, But you can't do that with a lack of confidence. You have to be confident in what you do, put the work in, put the time in, put the reps in, and the, you know the results speak for themselves. The results are the best way to prove somebody wrong. That's it. Like it's hard for coaches to stay on top of that fence where it's like cash, cash, cash. Like yeah, when yeah. you're doing well, like what can you say now, right? But yeah, it takes that confidence. It takes that. I think it's a great. I think it's one of the greatest weapons of like beyond self confidence. Like self confidence is one thing I would say, and but like being being confident in something that I know works regardless of right. how my external environment looks at it. And right. kind of like you said, it, it's work ethic. Cause if I just come in and I haven't done the work, one thing will go wrong and, and I may fluctuate and I may start, you know, Not yourself. About it and, and maybe I should listen to these people. Maybe they do know better than I do, but, but damn, like at the end of the day, man, nobody spends as much time as, as us with us. You know what I mean? So and especially like a, I had a coach, like, you know, you do three on two, two on one fast break drills. So I make six or seven little short jumpers in a row, like, like it's nothing. And they would say, you know, run it to the paint and do this and do this. But if I miss the layup, you want, you want the butt, the ball to go in the hole or you want to right. miss it. Let me stick to what I'm strong at. And yeah. this will open up opportunities for everybody because people have to step up instead of hanging back and being able to, you know, you got long athletic guys in there. So sure. it's just, it's tough to, to, to keep that, that mentality. But I think that the more you root yourself in what you believe in, the better you'll be. hundred mm-hmm. percent. Yeah. It's like, it's best for the team at the end of the day. Like I'm not doing it from a selfish perspective. Yeah. At the end of the day, we're a better team. If we're taking the shots that I'm good at it, the rest of the guys are good at. Um, it's really interesting. Did you, and this is like on a side note, just things that come up as we, as we go along. Like, did you notice at all where it's kind of like a stubbornness from, from some guys where, cause if you go up and miss a contested layup and there's some, some great defenders in, in Israel's first division, Amari played here and, and guys, mm-hmm. I remember when I was playing first division, there was guys like defensive player of the year from France and this guy from Italy. Like it's really high level, not just offensive guys, but defensive guys as well. So now you're driving and you missed that lap. I don't think that coach will be like, you know what I mean? He's not going to say anything about that as if like that was a bad shot because he had you push you, you know, he had, he pushed you into that, into that decision. Do you ever find that it's kind of like this stubbornness where it's not necessarily the best shot for the team, but more so like kind of my way or the highway. Like I want you to play the way I see the game. And, and, yeah. and like we said before, it puts you in his box and it limits what you're capable of and what you can add to the squad that nobody else can. Nobody else is unique on the court like Jason, right? Exactly. It's definitely stubbornness. It's definitely uh, like, you know, coaches have a lot of voices around them. Like, I mean, even at the lowest levels I've been at, like there's still like forums and, and you know, there's this agent and this manager and this chairman want to put their two cents in and, and coaches kind of like they lose sight of the individual. Mm-hmm. They think so much about group that they kind of lose sight of the individual and each person is special. So, um, but like I said, they can't deny results. If I'm, I've made coaches that have begged me to shoot 90, 90 foot threes and try to dunk on everybody. I've made them have to adjust their philosophy because I'm so damn good at what I'm doing. Like, you can't tell me, you can't tell me not to do it because I'm so good at it. And when right. I put the work in to make myself be able to shoot at a high clip. Mm-hmm. It's kind of like this combination of results speak for themselves. Like nobody can deny that when you're winning games, when you're when you're making baskets, nobody can tell you otherwise. But yeah, like yeah. that doesn't happen without the backbone of of a work ethic and, exactly. Uh, exactly. and working and training at it. No, because I, I know I'm working against a, a a certain form of thinking that doesn't fit me. I know that already. Right. So I'm, you know what? I need to shoot this mid range jumper at sixty five percent from this spot. It needs to be sixty five percent right here. Nobody needs to be seventy. You know, like. You have to you have to put the work in to to convince people. Mm. That's a great point as well, where you're like you're you're so aware of yourself that you know exactly what it's gonna take 
for people to, to jump on on board like like for you to break that resistance mm-hmm. a great job of it and this is one like one of the best I would call it like, kind of like I like to call it like undercover lessons for young players is that self-awareness like right this is what like me making two in a row once a week isn't getting you know what I mean like really being aware of what it's going to take for me to prove those naysayers wrong and be able to do what I'm so good at um right. I think that's a lot I've, I've experienced it personally I'd love to hear you share if, if you felt that way as well where along our careers it's kind of like this point where if I'm not putting enough work in I'll hit that point where I'll start changing my game towards thinking you know something what they need of me rather than what I know I can bring out of myself and uh and it's really self-awareness like for young players that self-awareness is so huge like what you just mentioned is such a key component that I don't think it's talked about enough that's that's a great point too because a lot of coaches and you know there's a lot of trainers out these days they don't they don't bring these kinds of things up like self-awareness is so important like when I when I do something like working on something I can detect the smallest inconsistency in my feet in my knees in my hips in my shoulders in my in my hands and it all it's all about being self-aware like I know what I need to fix if I miss that shot and I thought I should have made it, I know what I need to tweak in order to, to fix it. You know what I'm saying? Right. And without self-awareness, you're just, you know, you're a leaf on the river going wherever the water takes yeah. you instead of being a rock in the river and making the water go around you. You know what I'm saying? That's a great analogy. Yeah. Like, like if you're not aware, you're not going to be able to know and kind of pinpoint like what I need to do about this. You're going to kind of get lost because especially when you get to the higher levels and these all these outside voices, like you say, coaches, trainers, family members, friends, sometimes they all get the answers, right? Mm-hmm. And if you're not self-aware of what it is that you need to make happen, you'll kind of find yourself zigzagging and, and kind of trying all these different things. But I think something that's so cool, like I don't know you personally, I hope we'll stay in touch and, and get to know you better. But uh, it's so cool to meet a player that's like so in tune with who they are. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. And I think a lot of players at the highest levels, whether they recognize it or not, that's one of their biggest strengths. They're so in tune with what they're good at on the court. Um, while maybe a lot of younger players that are looking to get to those levels, they can, they can tell you 10 weaknesses right off the bat, but you ask them what their strength is on the court, it'll take them a while to come up with something. You know what I mean? I mean, that's important too, though, right? Knowing your weaknesses yeah. is, is very, very important. But uh, I think that you can strengthen your strengths so much that you can make up for a lot of weaknesses. Like if you can break down your strengths and what makes them your strengths, that can affect you in a huge, huge way. Like I'm not the fastest guy on court, but I do have a nice first step. How can I use that to my advantage? You know Mm -hmm. what I mean? It's all about being self-aware, being comfortable within yourself and and put in the work in it, man. That's what it is. Yeah, like being aware of that and, and be willing to put in the work. Like it's not just gonna happen on its own. Yeah, you, know you don't go to the court for the you don't go out in the summer and say, okay, my left hand is really weak. So you work on your left hand for three months of the summer and forget to dribble with your right hand, which is exactly. your strong. Hand. You know right. what I'm saying? This needs to be super strong, you know, at all times. But you know, right. some people get lost. Right. That's a huge point. I think some, like it seems obvious, but I think especially young players, they get so caught up in working on their weaknesses. They forget. It becomes like a hundred percent. Like I agree completely, like being aware of, of your downfalls and watching tape and, and being willing to put the work in on that, but never forgetting to hone your strengths as well. Like I call it 60, 40. I like to look at it that way, like 60%, you know, work on your things. And you also, I think as you get older, it's kind of a given, but for younger players, you kind of need like kind of, this base level of fundamentals that now you've got this base level now start working on your weaknesses because if you like you said if you don't have that right hand or if you don't have like a even a, a base jumper or whatever like 2k type <laughs> type stuff but um if you can you know make a basic type move then then what are you working on these weaknesses for you you still have it you know i mean you haven't found anything like sort of a niche to your game that you can really focus on and i think that's where a lot of players get it wrong they kind of got it flipped because trainers and, and social media and friends and and whatever all the clout and all the fame you don't see the hard work that that a guy like jason siggers or whoever else first division of playing europe or in the league is doing behind the scenes 
all you see is, is this really unique type of style that not a lot of people can pull off. And then kids kind of get it mixed up. And, you know, it's a great thing you said, like finding your own niche, like your own uh, approach to the game and how you want to play it. And I think that a lot of players today are like cookie cutter. Right. You don't see a lot of variety in, in the approach sometimes. And, and that's what bothers me. But knowing yourself and sticking to your strengths, like going back to what you said about working on your strengths and your weaknesses, I go back to my, when I struggle, I go back to my strengths, but they won't be my strengths if I forgot to work on them right. for four or five yeah. months. Like I know exactly if I'm struggling during the game, I know exactly what move I need to make to get myself going because I worked on that one, you know, so much. Right. Exactly. It's like this great analogy. I use it all the time with like performance coaching where you got, you go, you start going to the gym and you start working out and you're starting to see, you know, development and muscle growth. If you stop going, you're not going to keep those gains. Like it's just a matter of time till you lose all that. And you lose it pretty quick too. That's another thing people don't realize Like you might gain it in, on the course of a month. You'll lose it in less than a week. Yeah. <laughs> so if you don't maintain that work, it's not going to, it's not going to keep, keep, it's not going to stay there. Right. So that's a really good point as well. Um, there's always this great, I think we all have it as athletes, kind of this point in our career where we realize that, we're not going to be able to make it based off talent alone um, and work mm -hmm. ethic and on the court stuff. And in our conversation before, it was great about talking about kind of that, that mental side and that importance of the mental aspect of the game. I know people mm -hmm. would tell me all the time when I was coming up how it's like 10% physical and 90% mental. And you hear it and you're like, okay, whatever. But then you start seeing all these guys coming up that are super talented. Mm -hmm. But now they're not even touching basketball, right? They got the day job and whatever. And it's never coming from right or wrong. I always like to emphasize that. It's never like good or bad to each their own. But it, I always like to come from a place of like, how good can I be? Like right. what can help me bring my potential forth to be the best version that I can be on the court or at a job or in relationships and whatever aspect it is that's important to me. Um, when was that for you? When did you kind of realize the importance of that mental aspect and start working on that? Whew, man. Uh, whew. I mean, uh, probably when I went to D1, my junior year, and we were having a lot of uh, 5.30, 6.30 a.m., you know, individuals, really, really tough practices and and stuff like that. And that's when I, I really learned, like, mentality is a muscle. So one morning I would get up at 5, and, you know, I'd be, you know, dead, be tired, you know, you know, just in the ground, basically, drudging myself to the gym. But I got to a point where the hardest days it is to go to the gym, I got a little bit stronger mentally wise. Right. So now I'm building my mentality. I'm building, I'm building my mental toughness first thing in the morning before the ball has even dropped. You know what I'm saying? So always being mentally tough and, and comfortable within yourself. And that's why a lot of guys don't make it because they've been told what they need to be. Right. Instead of letting, being so self-aware that I know what I want to do and make this thing, this very difficult job, easy. Mm -hmm. Kind of, it sounds like kind of making that decision before I even, you know, put my shoes on, before I even yeah. get to the gym. It's kind of like a decision me against myself. Yep. And only then I can really put in the work that I need to be right. putting. Right. That's cool. What would you say to kids? Because I know there's another element where I think young hoopers fall in love with, with skills training and like, you know, working on the physical aspect and they don't realize because I think, I think it really, like we talked about before, it all comes back to that. It really takes like a big failure or a big loss to realize what we really need to work on, what maybe we're not as good as we thought we were. Mm -hmm. um, that mental side, like you said, a lot of times is that downfall that, that keeps a lot of players from making it to that next level. Like, what would you tell young hoopers that are so keen on, on doing the physical and maybe they don't see a lot of value in the mental side? They don't think that that's what they need to spend their time on this summer. You know what I mean? Man, listen, I tell everybody, your mentality is the most important thing if you want to stay in this game. If you want to be one, a guy that plays for 10 years, none of those guys just lucked up and got to play 10 years. It doesn't work like that because – 
each year is different. There's ups and there's downs. How do you deal with the downs? How do you deal with the ups? You know, like how you treat people. What's your work ethic like when you just had a 30-point game? What's your work ethic like when you just had two points and you have yeah. 18? You know what I'm saying? Does that does that waver depending on how well you played? And so building a consistency in your mentality will carry you for years and years and years. And without even knowing, it'll transfer into other things in your life. You know what I mean? Like, you'll just see like, okay, this is a bad time, but I know bad times are not going to last. So I'm strong enough to get through the bad times with a good, a good positive spirit and keep going doing what I have to do. Mm-hmm. That's huge, man. There's this great quote about like the way we are in, in one area of our lives will always be in other areas. Like if I'm late for work at the office, I'm going to be late for practice. I'm going to be late yep. for day with my wife yep. or, or yep. anything. And kind of realizing that, that those same downfalls that will meet me on the court or whatever it may be, whatever it is that's hard for me to, like you said, I got to build that mental toughness to get better at. That's going to meet me everywhere in life. Exactly. And until I'm willing to do that work, I'm going to have to keep, you know, kind of fighting through that my motto for the summer is how you do one thing is how you do everything right so you it, it's not like i can work hard in the court but i don't work hard in my marriage or I'll, I'll work hard in my marriage but i don't work hard with my kids like you have to have that same mentality there's no way you can change your mentality for each thing you know what i'm saying like i'm lazy with this but i'm good exactly. with this. <laughs> no, no we have to we have to be consistent across the board at least mostly so how you do one thing is how you do everything. 100%. I like that. I like that as a quote. I'm going to steal that. I'm going to use that as a quote. <laughs> yeah, no, that's huge, man. It's so many things that I always love these conversations, especially with players and especially with guys that are still playing, because it's things that may seem obvious and, and whatever, but unless you're in the heat, unless you're in that, that avenue, those things don't come up. Like That's what I love about sports and there's maybe a few different avenues like performance arts and stuff like that that you may experience those things as well, but you won't feel the pressure of playing in front of 5,000, 10,000, 20,000 people. Tel Aviv and Nokia. You know what I mean? Like, <laughs> fireworks in the stands, bro, with, with nets up. So if, that, if those nets were down, you'd be catching bottles on the you, Talking crazy. So you, you look at it on, on TV, it, it's wild and it's crazy and it's this crazy atmosphere. But, but as a player, it, it brings something out of you. It's something that not a lot of people get to experience. And the other side of it is, is that mental toughness, is that being able to, you know, bring my, uh, my skills out, bring my performance out, bring my potential out, even with this environment, even with all these external conditions. I think we're so in tuned. Like you said, like you said, it really great. Um, if you scored two points, if you scored 40 points, how do you, how do you respond to that? Because what's your so- next practice like? That's why I asked. What's your next practice like when you have yeah. two points? What's your next practice like when you have 40? Do you right. kind of take the day off? Do you come in early? Do you stay late? Do you get shots up? That, I mean, from a, co- from a coach's standpoint, I would, it would tell me a lot about a player. Exactly. Because we're so in tune, I think, as human beings, not just athletes, but as human beings, to be dependent on results. So mm-hmm. when I score 40, now I can sleep a little bit later the next day. And if I score two, damn, like I got to stay till 4 a.m. and shoot free throws or shoot threes or whatever. But that's so imbalanced, right? Because then right. you look at it that way, we're constantly being pushed around by these external things. Right. I would like to ask kids I work with and, and players in general and everyone, even in business and stuff like, like is winning completely your decision like if, if it was up is it completely up to you what are you going to win or lose the game is it completely up to you what are you going to get calls what are you going to get minutes how many points are you going to score and when, once we start shifting that outlook like there's certain things that are completely out of my control mm-hmm. if, if i'm basing my <clears throat> like you said really well like how is my practice going to be tomorrow morning how's my work ethic going to be tomorrow mm-hmm. or next week or the next game if that's based on all these things that are out of my control it's not going to take very much to knock me off because things are going to come up that aren't going to align with the results that I maybe thought I should be getting and bam, I'm off the wagon. Now I got to pick myself up and and we all know that downfalls happen. Conflicts happen. It's never a perfect straight line. I mean, you kind of just let, you know, you fall into a groove, right? So once you reassert a certain level, it's kind of like, okay, here's who I am. This is my work ethic, and this is what I'm going to do regardless. Like, 
I don't need someone to tell me, hey, you need to get in the gym earlier. You know, you didn't shoot it very well. You, right. you know what I'm saying? Like, I don't need that anymore. I, I really never did because I was so hard on my, well, my dad was hard on me first. So mm-hmm. I, I pretty much hear his voice in my ear all the time. But can you push yourself? Can you push yourself when it's hard to do so? Can you push yourself after a 35-point game? Can you, you know, like, it's easy to say I'm going to get up and go to the gym early because I shot bad or but it's hard to say I'm gonna get up and go to the gym, but I shot it well last night. Right. You know? Like it's I killed it's, it last it's, night, and I'm up at six a.m. next day. Exactly, like like it's in balance. You know what I'm saying? Like you need to create a balance in your work ethic and your mentality. Like don't let yourself get too low or too high. Right, Just stay right in the middle. That's huge, man. Like not not letting these outside things affect you. Kind of have it come from you rather than these external things that you. Right, right. That's huge. And there's nothing wrong with listening to people because that's great, but you should, you should be so solidified and within who you are that you know what you have to do. Whether that, whether someone tells you, Oh, you don't have to go to the gym tomorrow. Like, you know, I'm going to go anyway. I didn't need you to tell me I'm going to go anyway. So yeah, that's huge. The same way. Yeah. That's, that's so key. The same way that like, if someone external constantly has to be like, did you get your shots up? Did you go work out today? Now I'm dependent on him in a different way where right. if I don't have that voice, then I don't go. So what's going to happen? It's going to be really right. easy to knock me off. Right. That's, That's why it isn't for everybody. I mean, a okay. lot of guys need, we need our coach assigned to Jason to make, make sure he does this, make sure he eats right, make sure he gets up and does it, make sure he doesn't stay out all night. Like, no, I, I know what my goal is and where I want to be and what I got to do to get there. Exactly. It's up to me. Like, I don't need no... Up to me. It's, I love this. You've, you've probably seen this great video of a quote from Kobe Bryant. Like, I don't remember what it was exactly, but like, I signed a contract with myself at the beginning of the summer. It's me against me. Like, I know what I need to put, the work I need to put in the summer now. And it's not from any external thing. It was me against me. I decided back in June or whatever, when the season was over, that this is what's going to happen. And whatever mm-hmm. happens along the way now, rain, shine, hail, sleep, snow, like I'm making it happen because I promised that to myself. And that commitment to myself is, is stronger than anything else. Exactly. No, that's, um, I know we want to delve in a little bit into this really broad concept, but we'll try and get into it like a little bit as like as our identity as players, because I think especially towards the end of players' careers, I think is where they start noticing it. But I think throughout we have this identity where like we're ball players. Mm-hmm. So other than that, we don't really know what we are because we're so in tune. We're so used to for so many years, like that's just who we are. How have you found your balance with that? Um, especially towards, I think the end of players career, not that you're there, but I think everyone's got to be aware of it. It's like, what am I going to do once I don't have this great thing anymore? Like, am I going to lose my identity as a person or am I going to be able to connect to something bigger than that? That I mean, that's a it's a it's a tough thing. I know for me, um, I haven't told a lot of people this, but like I struggled with like, you know, getting down on myself and depression sometimes, like because I put so much pressure on myself to to do what I want to do and, and to be a good player. Like I would lose myself after losses and bad games and I would get so down and, you know, it would take a lot for me to breath my energy, you know what I'm saying? Get my energy, my mentality back up. Yes, I'm in the gym, practicing hard, I'm doing all the things, but my same mentality would be damaged a little bit because I felt like I failed my identity. All I am is a basketball player and I didn't do good. So what am I now? You know what I mean? So eventually um, I got to a space where I started to identify myself as my as a person. I use my character. That's my identity. Basketball is something else. Yes, mm-hmm. a huge part of my life and that, but it's not who I am. Right. You know, and we put so much pressure on these kids and these players to, you know, be good and you have to present this to the public and be like that and that they lose their their own identity because they feel like they have to be someone else all the time, especially mm-hmm. with social media. Right. And you have to like come to a point where you have things on your mind besides basketball yeah you're committed yeah you do what you have to do but you know that this this is the end all be all mm-hmm. you know what i mean for sure it's tough yeah that balance it's tough to balance it it's mm-hmm. tough to because i you know you give so much time and you want to do so well that you lose yourself for a moment right. you know that grind to come up is tough 
Right. I think it's a huge point where you said it's like when this is our sole thing, I think we've all experienced it, whether we've noticed it or not. I can definitely speak for myself. When this is our sole thing, when this is like I'm you know, I'm either this or nothing, like I'm either a ball player and right. I don't know right. what happens is we put so much pressure on that. Now when we have a bad game, now when we don't kind of get it going, um, it feels like our world's falling apart because right. we know ourselves as that. We don't have anything to balance that with. I mean, uh, it's a search really it's a process right. because i was so ashamed of certain parts of my life like i, I love anime i read manga like i'm i'm a, I'm a nerd you know and i always you know young when i was younger i hid that part of me for so long it's just like i i got two different personalities going on like you know what i mean and but basketball is the main thing. So, you know, if I had a bad game, I can't watch anime tonight. You know, I'm, really? I'm beating myself up all the time, you know, trying to, you know, as a form of ourselves. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But eventually, I, you know, I just got comfortable within myself, you know, mm-hmm. and it turned it turned my whole mentality around. Now it's it's even easier for me to work harder because I know that this doesn't like necessarily define who I am. I'm a right. good man, you know, godly man. That's the things that I hang my hat on. Mm-hmm. but talking about my jump shot you know you can talk crazy about my game if you want to that's cool but don't talk about my character right that's, so that's something my... that's it's just so in tune i think it, it really comes back to that self-awareness it's really cool the same way that i know i'm good for mid-range i know who i am off the court too and right. once i'm comfortable with that and, and like you said it's a process like we all grow as we as we move up in life right like not necessarily to a higher you know whatever pay or or league or division and that but we grow as we come along and we kind of get to know ourselves better and that man my brother's here like i got my brother and sister visiting out here and uh you and him could talk anime all day man we might do another episode on a whole nother subject (laughs) and you know what's crazy another uh what attributed to that was like like say, uh, so in France, you play a game and then you go into the VIP where all the sponsors, you know, people with money mm-hmm. and whoever be around yeah. the team. So like if I had a bad game, I'd go into the VIP, you know, shake hands and talk to people and they would treat me different. Right. You know? the, man- the-, the managers would treat me different. The coach would treat me differently. So that kind of attributed to me believing that all I am is a basketball player. Right. So it- I had to go against that also to convince myself that, it doesn't matter what these people think. Like, it doesn't matter what they say. It's who I believe that I am. Right. You know, right. I lose it. To fall into that trap of the way people look at me is, is what's exactly. so, but it's so far from the truth. And it, it really takes that self-awareness and that, and that work. Yeah. Right. That's really interesting. I think that's something I always love to touch on. And I haven't felt it at the highest levels. Like I was only in first division for maybe a year and I was like a local player, but I think a lot of things that, I think spectators and fans don't realize how much it's a business. Like, mm-hmm. and you don't bring forth the results that they're looking for, you get a whole different type of treatment. And uh, that's something that doesn't get mentioned <laughs> center. And, you know, and I'm sure it's like that in the NBA too, like, and just on bigger amounts of money. But out here, especially in Europe, I've had plenty of guys that I've had the, the pleasure of talking to and, and guys that are close friends of mine that are playing kind of all over and, it's a business. People don't realize that. Like it can break you. Know, you. It can break you if you're not careful. And yeah. that's why I tell guys, you know, that I meet, I want to go pro. I want to go play overseas. Well, I hope y'all hope you're tough enough because yeah. there's going to be some days. Yeah, the manager might walk in and not even talk to you because you had a bad game. Like they might hold you sick because you had a bad game. Like you know, like if you're not tough, you're going to be going crazy because basketball's up and down. It's not always good, you know, right. especially if you're on a bad team. So right. it's even harder. So yeah. finding that value within yourself. Yeah, man. It's a if you're you losing gotta, and you're playing bad and they're on your they're on your athlete. It's not it, it comes back, yeah. I think it's a great thing and it meets us in every avenue of life, like not just sports. It comes back to that self-awareness and like not being dependent on other people's opinions. Like I think right. one of the biggest things that people can take from, from this episode is is being willing to work on that, I think. Um, and being kind of that relationship with ourselves where nobody external can tell me anything that's going to push me off off that point. And it's easier said than done. Like you said, it's a process. It takes time. But, but man, does it hold so much value because exactly. now you're walking through the world where nothing external could really push you off that axis. 
and that's so key to, to us like bring like i it's like you talk about performance coaching and bringing our best you know version forward like nothing can push us off that um i call it like i'm being unmessable with like once i'm at that point nothing external could push me you know what i mean like because i'm not dependent on that i'm not dependent on what you say about me how you look at me the type of salary you're going to give me the type of contract you're going to give me like i'm good with me and uh like like you said it like you described it it's really cool like i'm a family man i'm a godly man like like my character is what holds me down if right. i score two points or 40 points my character hasn't changed right and that's something i need to be aware of first and foremost that's huge sure. um yeah i guess um towards the end here um, it'd be really cool to hear about the type of trainer. I know we talked a little bit about this concept that sometimes a lot of younger players nowadays, I sound like an old head now, it's like back in my day, but um, it's kind of like this concept of like, I need a gym and I need a trainer and I need like this ball and I need a shooting partner and then I'll go put work in. But then kids are limiting themselves in such a way where all these conditions need to be met and then I'll go do what I have to do like it kind of comes back to what we we're talking about before where no one externally is going to have to be like Sean did you get your shots up Jason did you go work out today right. and I guess to touch a little bit on that like maybe your type of training and what would you tell younger kids about how they should be getting it done regardless of the situation like I'm, I'm a big fan of I teach love for the game first like once you develop that that love for the game whether you're good or, or you suck like that'll kind of carry you through some, a lot of hard times actually, but it's all about having imagination. You know, mm -hmm. like I don't need anybody in the gym with me. I don't even need a gym to get better. I'll go in the garage and like, I don't know if you've seen my stories, I'll put the, the basketball in, in a plastic bag right. and I'll, I'll go out there and dribble, man. Like whatever it takes, right. whatever it takes. And the young pros that I meet, they say, hey, give me some advice about overseas. Well, if you can't get in the gym by yourself and come out better, then it's probably not for you, man, because the kids are over overtrained and, you know, they do so much that requires so much that they forget. It doesn't take much. Mm -hmm. So once once you take those things away from them, they're kind of lost. They don't they need direction at all times. So it's all about. I use my imagination in my, in my workouts, everything changes. Like I might have a drill for myself and change it just because I'm thinking I can see a defender changing what they do. So mm -hmm. I'll switch what I do just off a of reaction from my own imagination. What you need to train it for, right. like, uh, you know, but it's all about learning yourself and experiencing mm -hmm. the game enough and being around the game enough to know how things work. But, if you can't get work by yourself, then you're, you're, you're lost. Right. Like that power of just visualization and, and your imagination and that, how that's kind of, it's interesting. Like through, like as technology grows and now we have all these resources that grow, we kind of depend less on ourselves. Right. Exactly. And that's a shame because what you do, I know we've all done it like 10, nine, eight, whatever. That's like the mm -hmm. If you take it to the higher levels, it's really like imagining your defender, imagining how the defense going to react and what's my counter move to that, for example. Like, and you really don't need a trainer. You just got to have an imagination. You got to be willing. I didn't have cones back in the day. We didn't have a bunch of like bars around. <laughs> they would just they get to this point and switch directions. You know, like you, you, I had to develop my imagination because I spent so much time in the gym by myself. Like that was, that was where I ran to to you know get away from stuff and get my mind together or get my emotions out or even if i was just in there dunking for an hour right um, i spent so much time in the gym that you know you kind of just get that visualization you just you just let your imagination take you mm -hmm. where you need to be right. you know? but it's kind of lost today because it, there's so much there's so much so many gizmos so much uh, right. you know so many trainers and so much of the the frills that you missed the most powerful thing that you have is your imagination. Mm -hmm. I'll take yeah. you away. Exactly. Like that's how we forget, like we all have it. It might, it might be like underused and it might be, you know, underutilized, but we all have it. It's just, that's a great point. Like I would, I would, if young hoopers are listening to this in the future and like, just get a ball and go in the gym. Like you'll figure <laughs> it out. 
You're going to be there an hour, two hours, three hours. You'll figure it out. You're not going to be bored. If you really love it, you're not going to be bored. You're going to find a way. And if you do get bored, it's probably like you said before, like it's not for you, man. Because I think everyone that's played at a high level can attest like how they lose themselves on the court. Um, sort of passion where you can be like eight, nine hours in the gym just you and the ball. And, and You'll blank out. What's that? You just kind of blank out, like, oh man, it's been four hours. I've been here for four hours. Like, what am I doing? I need to eat. Like, like they're waiting for me for dinner when you were young and like, <laughs> no, for sure. That, that's a great point. Um, and I guess the kind of last thing we wanted to touch on is kind of taking care of our body and, and career longevity. Like, it's not a given that you get to play, you know, to your 30s, 35, 40. Like, it's, it really takes something. I know <clears throat> I feel personally on my body and I know what it takes. I know. I've had a little bit of personal acquaintance with guys like Steve Nash being from Vancouver and, and seeing the mm-hmm. type of training that he does in the summer. And you could kind of see it in the NBA. He'd always be like on the bench laying down and always with the physio. And yeah, it'd be great to hear kind of how you look at that and, and what are some of the key points that have you play at such a high level. As you get older, you kind of get better and your body isn't, you know, a deterrent, a deterrent but rather than, you know, it's keep pushing you forward. I mean, as far as longevity goes, I mean, it's crazy. We keep going back to it, but it's self-awareness. Like you have to be, be able to feel your body. You know, you need to know when something is off and, and like pay attention, pay attention to your body. Very introspective, right? So that's the main key. Introspective, knowing what the aches or the pains, what kind of ache is this? Is this a soreness ache or is this? Is something that's going to linger, you know, you have to know the difference between what kind of hurt it is. That's, that's one. Second is be a sponge, man. Like, you know, you switch teams a lot. You go to the, all these different physios and different doctors and different whatevers. You need to be able to take something specifically for you mm. from each one of them, you know? So you're constantly building your own rehab program. That's what yeah. I've been doing for, for 10 years. Building my, I know exactly if my right knee hurts, I know exactly how much I need to stretch, right. at what point of the day I need to stretch, and what exercise I need to do to, to get it stronger. Mm-hmm. So it's, I know my body, and I've been building this program for, for <laughs> years and years and years, tailored to me, so I can keep going. So mm-hmm. I know exactly what I have to do. I have a whole routine, man. I have a right. whole routine before every game, every practice, and I stick to it. I don't let myself... Uh, get too comfortable so when I'm feeling good I still do those same things even though I'm feeling good that's a huge point like not waiting for an injury or downfall to be doing the work like be doing the work regardless and always be prepared and yeah just accumulating knowledge that's huge and yeah like you said it comes back to self-awareness like being willing to learn Mm -hmm. Um, I can definitely attest to that too like I learned kinesiology from my undergrad so I had this kind of background of physiotherapy and all that and then it's also this great point of every injury is almost an opportunity because right. now what it takes willingness. Like if I'm not willing to learn and I'm kind of hardheaded about it and I'm just going to keep having the same injury. Mm-hmm. Um, there's this great quote. They say, God's going to keep giving you the same lesson until you open your eyes up and, <laughs> and take it right. Like you're going to keep meeting the same injuries, the same things in life. But if you're willing to look at it as an opportunity, like that's such a great point you make. And now I'm learning from it. So now let's say I got a new injury I've never had before. But if I look at it in a positive light, now I get this new skill. Yeah, like, oh, it's new knowledge that when this thing's going to meet me in the future, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to know exactly what to do, like what stretch, what exercise. Exactly. But that takes that takes a lot of focus and like paying attention. Like, like some people, you know, you'll get a massage, right? Say, OK, your back has been hurt. All right. So you're getting a massage from the physio and you say, oh, I feel a lot better after that. You need to pay attention to how much force he was using on, on right. muscle and where and how, what's the order in which he went? Did he go from top to bottom? Did he go from bottom to the top? Did he work your hamstrings? You need to, so you can't just sit there and sleep, right? You just sit on, right, a, right. on a massage table. So like, I can teach, I can teach my wife how to massage my back if I needed to, like exactly right. what to do. So that's that constantly being a sponge to everything, taking it in, knowing what worked and what didn't work. Mm-hmm. So acupuncture may work here but not over here you know right. like it's just accumulating knowledge of self mm-hmm. that's huge man i think like above all else like what you say and, and you put it so precisely it's like a microcosm of what it takes to be a pro 
like whether it be in ball or in business or whatever, it's constantly having that state of mind of like, how can I use this situation to better myself? Right. And that's like the definition of self-awareness. Like, and I got to be willing to look within because like we said, no, no one external is going to push me or, or bring me down. I got to maintain that balance within me. And, and that will only come if I'm willing to look at these things and then learn right. from them. So and like if people take one thing, we've had so many great points, man. And I really appreciate you for coming on. But if people take one thing from, from this conversation is to be like develop that mentality, like looking at every situation, like how can this better me? Right. And how can I learn from this? Like how can I gain knowledge from this rather than look at it as some sort of downfall or some sort of thing that kind of knocked me down a notch? Like there's always something to be learned. And it's going to make you better. I mean, every, every ankle sprain, every, you know, bruise, I mean, every soreness, there's a lesson in it. As long as you take a lesson out of it, then it's not a complete loss. Yeah, you might be sore, but if you take something out of it, it's going to shoot you past that and into something else. Right. Then it becomes like a negative to like almost like a blessing in disguise where now you can take something positive from it. Exactly. Exactly. Mm -hmm. That's cool, man. We're kind of, we're just at about an hour. The last few things I always love to end up on is is two questions. And the first one of them is um, how do you define success? What is success in your eyes? that's a tough one man (sighs) success in my eyes is is contentment man it's just just being just being happy in in what mental space i am and and how my body is and how my family is like that's that's success if my wife and kids are happy i'm successful Mm-hmm. Whether I'm working at McDonald's or if I'm, you know, working at Google, it, it, to me, it doesn't matter. If I'm happy and they're happy, that's success. Mm-hmm. That's huge. That's cool. And yeah, that's like 100% up to me for sure. I'm yeah. not dependent on anything. That's I mean, cool. That's like, it does, it, nothing about money. Right. Not making, making $10 million a year or, or none of that. Like just being happy, man. Just mm-hmm. being able to wake up and be happy is something that will that's it's mind-blowing to wake up and be happy right. and not just out right no that's huge i like that that's sweet and the last one is always um if you can kind of go back to maybe your earlier days playing and, and when you're younger and you can kind of pull jason aside and, and whisper you know a little something in his ear knowing all the knowledge you have today that could save him i guess a lot of headaches and wasted energy throughout his process and throughout his journey like what would you tell him um i mean something i developed over time but if i would have learned it earlier i make i make my pride and my ego my weapon Mm. so what i what used to hold me back was my my pride and my ego would tell me to argue with the coach Mm -hmm. argue with the teammate don't make that pass you know what i'm saying like but now I make my pride and my ego work for me. And I would tell my younger self, yo, let your pride work for you. Let all that ego you have about yourself and you getting underpaid, let it work for you now. Like, let it make you work even harder and go to the gym. Like, my pride doesn't tell me to bring others down. It tells me to elevate myself, mm-hmm. you know? So, yeah, that's what I would tell them. Like, stop being stupid. Right. Stop being so angry. Let your pride work for you. Mm-hmm. You know, let it be your fuel in the gym let it be your fuel in life take pride in how you treat your lady take take pride how you treat people around you mm-hmm. you know so that's what i would say that's huge i like that and it sounds like it's it's like it's not in comparison it's like being pride in comparison to myself rather than being egotistical mm-hmm. about being better than someone else or or my comparison to others it's, it's pride in my work ethic pride in how seriously I take this game. I take pride in how, how I approach it. Take pride on my ability to deal with a bad teammate and still be a positive influence on my other teammates. Mm-hmm. You know, like, and I wasn't wasn't very good at that very early. <laughs> I was a dog, so that's all I knew was to fight, you know? So that's what I would say. Like, don't be, don't let small things distract you. Don't let your pride make you do dumb stuff. Right. Like always try to better yourself, kind of look forward. Yeah, it's tough and you're uber competitive and all that. That's cool, man. That's yeah. cool. 
That's sweet, man. I really appreciate you. Yeah, I want to acknowledge you for, for being, you know, a voice of, of reason in a way where it's like anti-analytics and kind of sticking to your strength. And I think young hoopers and young people in general and, and people in general, man, just got to just gotta hear that more because we're all so unique and there's so many components in life nowadays where they try to put you in a box. And it's a shame because, like you said, cookie cutters, if we all end up being same type of players or the same type of employee or the same type of family man it just kills our uniqueness and and that's a cool cool concept and i'm really glad that we got to delve into and and man congrats six man like who knows what next year holds in store for you man i'm looking forward to to seeing you out there and uh keep coming back out here to israel man we we enjoy you we'll have to get together grab a beer and uh keep getting to know each other man i really appreciate you Oh, for sure. <laughs> All the shekels in the world, man. <laughs> no, man, I appreciate it. It's a blast, for sure. I appreciate this space, man. I don't get to talk about this stuff too often, like on a, on a bigger scale. So it's huge. I mean, remember all y'all, whoever's watching, you're each an artist. All artists aren't the same. Everybody has a different take on things. So appreciate your own perspective and don't let someone make you paint a picture you don't want to paint. Right. For sure, man. That's huge, man. Just that self-awareness. That's so cool. I appreciate, I appreciate you, Jason, man. It's been a pleasure. Yeah, we'll, we'll do it more often. We'll see. We'll, we'll figure it out. Sounds good, man. Sounds good. Anime talk next time. Yeah, no doubt. I like it. <laughs> I like it, man. I'll have to prepare myself. I'll have to do my homework. There you go. All right, Sean. Hey, man. Have a good one. Have a great off-season. We'll talk soon. Yes, sir. Later, man. Bye. Thank you. That's all for this episode of the School of Performance. Thank you for joining us all the way to the end. We hope you enjoyed our conversation. If you took something away from this episode to your own lives, I urge you to share this episode with your followers or with anyone that this conversation can add value to. Thank you for joining us. Have an amazing day. And we'll see you on the next episode of the School of Performance.